um, back home to his precious wife. I want to receive an offering right now so that we don't have to uh, have that in the way later as Alan uh, teaches and then begins to impart. So uh, if we can uh, have the answers come forward and let's, let's uh, take an offering. Everything you give tonight will go 100% uh, to Alan and Alan's ministry. And uh, one thing I know about Alan is that um, he will keep what he needs to, to survive on and the rest goes out. He's done that forever. And so everything you give right now, he, he oversees, hang on just for a second, I'm going to pray over this. Alan oversees uh, churches in Africa and in India and in Europe. And we're talking some are multiple thousand member churches that are in tribal wars. I mean, just, just he is in the middle of some literally global changing uh, churches and global changes and encounters. So as you sow into Alan, you're sowing into an apostle who is therefore influencing nations, literally. And so as you sow tonight, um, know that your seed is going into his ministry. And the Apostle Paul said something very interesting. He said that when you sow financially into his ministry, you partake of the grace that's on his life. Paul said, God is not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. And what he was talking about in context was when you sow into somebody, uh, to a teacher's ministry, when the teacher is sowing into you spiritual things, you sow back in him financial things. You reap the spiritual things that are in that teacher's life. So if you want to draw upon the anointing of people's lives, you sow into their ministry. And then God then imparts the grace in that ministry into you. Um, so let's be spiritual about this. This is not manipulation. It's spiritual. There are spiritual realities, the way the kingdom operates. So let's sow into um, the anointing tonight and it will transfer back into our lives. Father, we are not ignorant of, of the spiritual laws of your kingdom. You cannot be outgiven, and sowing into your kingdom is, is a sure investment. And we thank you, God, that you have given a promise of return on every giving passage you put in the Bible. You want us to know that we cannot outgive you. So, Father, tonight we sow financially into your kingdom through your servant, Alan. And unashamedly and without embarrassment, God, and without any false humility, we say we want a return. We want everything that we can get from what you have poured into Allen. We want it in this house. We want it in our lives. We want it in this city. So we sow by faith, Father, and we also receive a return from you for your kingdom's sake. Now shake this place tonight. Let the anointing that comes from Allen deposit into us and change us and transform us so we can transform our city. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 So go ahead and uh, receive the offering. And uh, I'm just going to let Alan come up and take it away. Wait, he, he doesn't want any distraction when he's back. Thank you. Can I just introduce my relatives? Today? Absolutely. I also want to say that Alan has uh, books and CDs back here that uh, are... Profound. I mean, I mean, I, I was raised in the faith movement, and I mean, he has taken the teachings of the faith movement, and um, he didn't get them from the faith movement. He was one of the pioneers in the faith movement, and uh, he has condensed. It is, I mean, it is, it is condensed. It, he has condensed the revelation of faith in those books back there that are just profound, with all sorts of stories that are evidence that he has walked by faith for years. I mean, I have that by my bedstand, and you can pick up that book and just eat it before you go to bed, and I mean, you will grow in faith. So you want to grab one of those books, 
grab the CDs uh, before you leave tonight. So, and Alan. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I want to just say. Hello. <clears throat> Doesn't sound very much. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Well, I just want to just introduce my relatives here. Um, would you mind, Paul? You just come with your. Um, this is Paul Farnham. Just come and stand, maybe we can see you. And and you remember I've told you about the grandmother that prayed. Well, this these are of that family. His. His, um, his mother is also here. Pauline, would you like to come? And her husband. All come, to, all come together. And they're all in the midst, they're all, you know, on fire for Jesus. And uh, she, this, this precious lady is uh, my first cousin. And she's just a year older than me. And, 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 uh, her, her father was my uh, father's eldest brother. Amen? And so we all, we all have this life flowing in us because of a, a grandmother that prayed. Amen? And, and, and this, this her, her father established the first um, church in Winnipeg in 1807, the first Baptist church and rode the prairies in those terrible days of, of uh, living on in peat bog houses and, and living in the most primitive way to, to evangelize these new immigrants that were coming from, from Europe. And uh, he, he established the first Baptist church in Winnipeg in 1907. Wow. And when you got there, there was just a little one... You got a microphone? Just a moment. Give us a microphone. Oh, I can see. Well, I know you need to speak really loud to get. Okay, thank you. And he had the job of teaching in a one-room schoolhouse, and on the same in the same schoolhouse, he was the minister every weekend. So that's how he began. Amen. And he played in the Manitoba. Was it Manitoba? Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg, Symphony. Winnipeg Symphony. Symphony. He's a musician as well. Okay, I don't know. But anyway, I, I preached in that same church in in uh, 1989. Uh, okay, and and uh, and uh, it was a great privilege for me. Uh, so, um, so this is Paul, who is her son. Amen. Paul Farnham, and uh, Paul, you might like just to say hi. Hello. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. Um, actually, I, I attend a, um, a uh, uh, Solid Rock Church International in uh, South Corona. It's kind of similar to this one. I believe Crazy. in all the gifts and everything. So, yeah. I'm the worship team there. Amen. He's another great musician. Anyway, I thought I'd like it. And I'm excited to see them. We haven't, we haven't met for, I think, is it 10 years, 20 years, something yeah, like that? Years, yeah. So they, they've taken the trouble to come here tonight, and I just want to bless uh, okay. Thank you. Perhaps you'd like to sit down. Okay. Thank you. I, I, and I'm going to give you 
a copy of my books for being <laughs> Amen well I, I've got so, well if they, if they want the CDs they can have them I'll let them pick the, the afterwards that's because you're a relative right? it's not everybody <laughs> but uh, if you really need them and you can't afford them I always give them away I, I, amen and I'm serious about that so if you say look uh, brother I just really need that set of tapes but I just haven't got the money for it then, then I will give it to you but don't, don't lie to me that's all I <laughs> I'm sure you won't ok well I want to go through, some, through a few more things um, of how God got me ready to, um, to be useful to see a breakthrough in a city because I believe that's the, what he's doing here in, in San Diego. We're looking, we're looking for the, the certain things to come together for revival to break out. Amen? And, and what I, I just felt I, as I was praying very seriously this afternoon, just to see God had to deal with things in me before I could be the, 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 the spiritual father that other people needed and before life could flow out of me to, to change the lives of, of many people and it's not me as I think we've all got it absolutely clear it's just, it's just Jesus Amen Jesus gave his humanity so completely to the Father and the Spirit that for 33 and a half years of his earthly life every minute of every day they had total access to his humanity he went wherever he, physically they wanted him to go he spoke the words they gave him to speak he did the, the, the actions, the, the works, the, the miracles which they wanted to do through him. And so, so he said this again and again. He said to his disciples, um, I've, I've given you an example. And when he called the disciples, the first disciples, you read about it in um, Matthew, it comes in Matthew 3, it comes again uh, in Mark. Uh, Matthew 3, I think it's verse 19, when, when, he, when he called those disciples and he said to them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. That same promise is repeated in Mark's Gospel. And, and the, the word follow um, is, is a, it, the Greek word is the word akalutheo. I just want to spend a few minutes on this because akalutheo is, isn't just mean sort of tag along behind, but, but if you, to get the picture of this, you've got to think of a, of a, of a father on a, say, you've had a heavy snowfall, there's about 12 inches of snow. And he, and he, he wants to go, take his little boy out maybe to go, go into the, the yard or go somewhere. In, and, and he says, look, son, I'm going to deliberately take little small steps and, and, and I'm going to step right through to the ground underneath. And then what you've got to do is, all you've got to do is to put your feet exactly where my feet are and you'll be able to get there safely as well. Amen? So Jesus on earth was deliberately taking small steps. Amen? That's why in some ways he felt the restriction and constraint of that. He, he speaks about it. He says, how, how am I straight and how am I shouting until it's accomplished? So, so his earthly life, amazing and powerful as it was, was not in his perspective the full manifestation of the kingdom. And you've got to get hold of that. Amen? Because uh, he, he said, for example, I have authority on earth he, what he was able to do was to recover what Adam had lost by his disobedience, which was to re regain the physical earth from the power of, of the devil. He did it um, by buying it back with his blood. He did it by obtaining an authority which destroyed the devil 
But in those, those three and a half years of earthly ministry, he lived every minute of every day the way that Adam should have lived. Amen? And, and, and he lived his life in total, utter, complete obedience to the Father. And the humanity that he lived in was the same humanity that Adam had before he sinned. So he wasn't a superman. He wasn't a special kind of man. It was, it was just God filling in some amazing miracle that I cannot comprehend. The God who created all things squeezed himself into the boundary and limitations of one human being. And in that human being, he lived a, a, a demonstration for us to understand how we were to live once the Spirit came. Amen? So he said, I've given you an example. He said, don't just admire me, copy me. Amen? copy me because when you are released from the power of sin through my, through my cross and if you give your humanity as completely to me as I and to the Father and to the Spirit if you allow the triune God to take full possession of your humanity then through you they continue to do works and miracles which are even greater than the works which I did while I was upon earth but, but it's the relationship it's the principle now, it, it, and if you haven't done that, tonight's the time to do it. Amen? You've got, one, you've got one human life, you can either waste it on yourself, or you can make it eternally valuable by putting it into the hands of Almighty God to allow Him to use it in whatever way He wants. Amen? Now, so success is not measured by how prominent you are, but how obedient you are. Amen? So He said, I've given you an example. So, so, so he, said, he said to his disciples, right, now you guys, you follow me, and I'm going to take little steps, and if you put your feet exactly in the steps that I take, like a little boy following his dad, then I'll bring you safely to your destination. Akalotheo, it comes again and again. But even more frequently in Scripture, he uses another word, which is the word mimetis, which is the, we get our English word mimic comes from it. And it means to exactly copy. So, so uh, and, and it, it, Paul said this. He said, if anyone says they believe in Jesus, they ought also to walk exactly the same way that he walked. That's what he said. John says the same thing in First John chapter two. He says, as you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk ye in Him. How do you receive him? By faith. So by faith, uh, uh, you, you can walk a life where Jesus has got, so got hold of your humanity and, and it's so available to him and to the Father and to the Spirit. And he teaches this in great detail from John 12 to John 17. And I gave, I sent you that passage of scripture for homework this morning. Amen? Read it until it becomes part of you. Now, for that reason... Everything that's not of God has got to be taken out of your life. Amen? So there's the dealing with the self-life. And I, you know, I could teach for a week just on getting rid of the self-life. The flesh, as, as, as Paul calls it. Amen? But what I want to deal with, and what I want to deal with, is some of the things that God had to deal with with me. Because, you see, I didn't know. But uh, I, I had, for example, I, I, I told you how I was educated. I told you how I became filled with the, the classic sort of um, unbelief of intellectualism. <clears throat> also, uh, when I was a boy, I was made to go to the, my parents' Baptist church for the first 14 years of my life. I went there three times a day. 
uh, three times on a Sunday, I mean, not every day. I had to go to morning service, evening service, enter Sunday school in the afternoon, and I hated every minute of it. And by the time I got to 14, I made my mother's life so miserable, she stopped forcing me to go. And that was the end of religion as far as I was concerned. Amen? But the things I was taught as a Sunday school kid were still lodged in my spirit, in my memory somewhere, and they were the things that God began to call on. And of course, I told you how my grandmother, our grandmother, how when she spent her last few years in my home in, in England, the last, uh, uh, my father looked after her for about the last eight years of her life and in, in our home, and she realized my spiritual condition, she began to pray for me. And one day, she used to give me a New Testament every Christmas, and I'm ashamed to say I used to throw them away. I don't want to read that silly old book. It's all right. Old ladies need it, but I don't need that kind of stuff. And she fixed her beady eyes on me one day, and she said, Alan, I've been praying for you, and Jesus has promised me that he's going to save you, and then you will serve him for the rest of your life. And I told you that um, we're we're all the fruit of that one woman's faith who got converted in the Welsh Revival. And it spread all over our family and and, and to many of my relatives and and many of them are in ministry, they're missionaries, quite a few of them are ordained ministers, usually in the Baptist church. And And it was just the flow of one woman who could believe for her family. So let's, let's sort of, let's get hold of it, shall we? Amen? But the nearest thing that I had to, got it to deal with, I was, now, I was now a missionary in India, and I told some of you how I got there. If you don't know the story, it's told completely in, in my two books. And, and I recommend, you, I'm not trying to sell you books, but I want you to get the truth of what I've taught there into your spirit. And, and I was now in India, in, in Bombay, India, as a missionary. But, and God was getting me ready for an area of that city which was about a million people strong. It was, the, it was the Portuguese Catholic area that was so full of darkness and wickedness and, and it wasn't so much drugs, it was alcoholism. All the gangs lived there. They terrorized the district. They, they, they raided shops and shopkeepers. And these gangs were just as evil and just as terrible as we're used to in our cities in America. Amen? They were called, this, this major gang was called the Lunics. And they were led by a guy called Carlton. Later on, years later, which, uh, the whole gang got gloriously saved. One Thursday meeting, 35 members of the gang came forward, were powerfully delivered, filled with the Spirit, and now, now they're full-time ministries all over India and other parts of the world. God transformed that city completely. But what I didn't know was the things in my life that God had to deal with. And, and while I was just getting, I, I was now the pastor of the, the one and only Baptist church in Bombay. And I was pastoring that Baptist church. And God, and I'd been being filled with the Spirit, and that little group of us had been filled with the Spirit. And God was getting us ready for breakthrough. I had to return to England for a few months to deal with certain um, property matters because of you know, property that I'd left there and I had to go and sign certain papers and go through certain legal procedures. So I had to leave India and go back to England for a few weeks to deal with these legal formalities. When I arrived in England, um, a little church that I had been in touch with said, look, we don't have a pastor at the moment. Um, would you come and pastor our church while you're here for these few weeks in England? And I agreed to do that. It was just a little group of people. There weren't more than 30. And, uh, and very soon after I, after I got there, 
This lady, one of the members of this church, called me. She said, Alan, I've had some devastating news. She said, I've just been up to see some consultants in London and they've informed me of something very weird going on in my body. She she was 37 years of age at the time. And she said, in the last two years, I've suddenly grown in height almost two inches. And she said, my hands have got much larger, my feet have got much larger. And she said, uh, now I've got something wrong with my eyesight and my legs are getting unsteady. And I went to see these consultants in London and they've diagnosed that I have a, a malignant tumour pressing on the pituitary gland in my brain. But it's right in the brain and they, said they cannot operate. It's un- impossible to, to operate without cutting the brain, which they cannot do. And so, so they said, you've basically got four months to live. Get ready to die. All we can do is to give you a bit of radiation therapy that may slow it down slightly. And so she had this devastating news. And she, and she called me and, and asked me to come round to pray for her. And when I got round, she told me the story. And I was standing there looking at this precious woman, feeling a great compassion for her, but, uh, but, but when the doctors have said there's no cure, I couldn't even pray for the doctors to help her. I, I, there, was, there was no solution. And I stood there in total helplessness. And I, uh, but I noticed that as I was driving to this uh, woman's house, uh, a, a strange feeling came on my arms which I'd never felt before. It, it, they felt heavy, they felt somewhat tingly, and, and, and I said, what's wrong with my arms? They feel so weird. I had just been baptized in the Holy Spirit just three months earlier. I'd never yet moved in the miraculous. Amen? So I get to this lady's house with this funny feeling in my arms, and as I look at her in this desperate need, I just feel the, you know, the compassion for her. So I just, I said, well, let me pray for her. I lay my hands on her to pray for her, and as I lay my hands on her to pray for her, a power of God went through me, hit this woman, she went, boom, back on the floor. And I was totally shocked. Now, have you ever noticed in Scripture how impossible the disciples found it to believe that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead? Have you ever seen that? Have you seen that? Again and again, he said, now listen, guys, I'm going to the cross. It's all part of God's plan. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. But don't worry. The third day, I'm going to rise again. And then, then you're going to see the kingdom come. And they absolutely, absolutely, absolutely refused to believe him. Even when, after he was risen, they, the women came and told them. They still wouldn't believe him. Even when the guys on the Emmaus Road uh, had, uh, um, you know, had broke bread with Jesus, and they came running back, they still wouldn't believe him. You think, what's the matter with these guys? And there's a verse in Luke 24, 24, I think it is, verse 41, which, which says that then when Jesus did finally appear to them in the upper room, these are his disciples that he's going to take the world with. They've got the kingdom that's got to come through these guys, and there's an absolute massive wall of unbelief that makes it impossible. So it says in Mark's Gospel, at the end of Mark's Gospel, that he rebuked their unbelief. And the word that's used there is the same word that's used by Jesus when he rebuked demons and cast them out of people, when he rebuked the demonic storm on the Lake of Galilee. So what I'm telling you is that he cast a demon out of them. Hello? And all that time, all that time that demon had been there, it was, it was a typical classic religious demon of unbelief. Now, when I laid my hands on this woman, she went, boom, back on the floor like that. I said, what happened? I'd never seen it before. And she said, she said, I felt myself shrink. 
And, and, and then after a couple of minutes, she got up. She said, my legs are absolutely steady. My eyesight's perfect. She went and got the old shoes that she could not wear. She had to buy shoes several sizes larger. She went and back and got the old shoes that she couldn't wear anymore. They fitted her feet perfectly. She shrunk back to the right size in a fraction of a second. The power went through me. I felt it go through me. I saw it with my own eyes. But you know what I did? I sat down rather weakly, and this is what, this is what I said. I said, uh, 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 this is wonderful, but I can't believe it's happened. That's what I said. And I thought, why did I say that? You see, and I wanted you to understand that I had a spirit of unbelief in me, that Jesus did this miracle in this strange and peculiar way to expose it. And I said, Lord, what's the matter with me? He said, it's a spirit of unbelief. Shall I cast it out? Now, there weren't any other people there. He did it privately, but it doesn't matter whether it's private or public. The thing is to get the stinking thing out. And maybe some of you have got to get that dealt with. Amen? And so, so, and so I, I said, oh, yes, Lord. And, was, and, and, and I was gone, I'd gone away from this woman's house and and, and, uh, and I prayed and the Spirit of God came upon me and, and I didn't roll around and vomit but it would have been well worthwhile if I had <laughs> but I just coughed the thing out and I was different and then he said right now he said, he said I'm now going to give you a gift he said the gift of the Spirit of Faith and you see we have a human spirit and and, and that human spirit can either be controlled by a spirit of unbelief, which stops you from believing, even when it's reasonable to do so. I didn't need faith to believe this woman had been healed. I saw it with my own eyes, but I still couldn't believe. But when, you, when this spirit's gone and you get the spirit of faith, now you come to the place where you can believe, even when the circumstances say you shouldn't believe. Amen? And I was going to be no good to God until this was dealt with. And, that, and I mean, I went back to England just for that. I went back, went back to Bombay, a very different person from the one that, 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 that left because I now had the anointing of the spirit of, spirit of faith. The spirit of faith and the spirit of unbelief have been cast out of me. Now, I mean, I mean, when I say spirit, I mean spirit. Amen? And, and, and then the next thing he dealt with is this. I'm saying this as quickly as I can. I got back to Bombay. And the next thing he said to me was, um, I, mean, I, I mean, the city of Bombay was 5 million people at that time. It's now 20 million people. There were two churches. There was our little Baptist church, which was, had grown enormously from about 30 people to almost 200. And I was, I was the big success because of... But I mean, God said to me, I'm not interested, I'm not satisfied with a living church in a demonized city. I want the city. So there was our little Baptist church which had grown and was, was the big success story. And the other one was the Brethren Assembly where everything, you know, they were very legalistic, very, very... You know, tight in uh, it was outward appearance you had to wear the white clothes or women had to cover their heads and all the rules and regulations of, of, of brethrenism you know, press, you know what I'm talking about of course you do these were the only two churches in the whole city of Mumbai every other church had closed it had been turned into mosques or 
in some cases Hindu temples, or they'd just been taken over by civil authorities. All the missionary activity of those earlier years had just disappeared, and it was an absolutely godless city. The devil thought he got Bombay just where he wanted it, but God was going to change all that. And this stupid little man standing you here, uh, uh, this, this, I'm sorry, that's not a way to talk about myself. Even, but but this, this nobody without Jesus, that's a better way of putting it, was what he chose to use to start this thing to happen. Amen? So what happened to me when I got back, I began to minister that to some of the close people in our prayer group. And it's surprising how much religious unbelief there was in people, how much intellectual unbelief there was in people. We had, to get, we had to get rid of demons of unbelief. And there was not more than, 20, not more than 15 or 20 of us like that, but it, but, it, but it was enough. Amen? Then, I, I, I used to walk around Bombay looking at, and, and if, I mean, if I told you all the stories of how you get these great parades of, of Hindus marching in the street, tens of thousands of them, dancing and twiddling around, and these, these you know, so-called uh, holy men and we would just touch people and the demons would come upon them and they would start dancing around. And you get these big parades. The big parade was, well, the god that was worshipped particularly in, in Mumbai was, was the, 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 the Hindu goddess of Ganpati. Ganpati is a, a terrible looking figure. It's half elephant and half human being because the, the, the legend of it is that, that one of the gods was having intercourse with another god and, and she was changing from one form of physical form to another. And, and so as a result, this half man, half elephant, was born. I mean, it's the most grotesque, uh, ridiculous story. But this is worshipped and, and, and idolised, literally idolised, by about 150 million people in, in India. Gunpati is their favourite god, and, 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 and they take these idols and immerse them in the sea just outside Bombay. And it's the most dreadful demonic ceremony. And, and at this time, gunpowder was going on, and, and, and I was complaining to God about how strong the devil was. And everywhere I could feel the demonic power everywhere, this strong demonic power. And, and one day I was telling God, I was telling God how strong the devil is, and one day he just says, he, he said, oh, shut up. <laughs> That's literally what he said. He said, Alan, I'm tired of hearing you telling me all the time how big the devil is. And he said, I want you to get a revelation of how big Jesus is. Amen. So this is what he did. And again, I want to set this to you for homework, if you need it. He said, I want you to go on a 21-day fast, complete fast, just some water, no, no, don't eat at all, shut yourself away, don't, don't obviously take a phone or a computer or anything like that, just shut yourself away. And, um, and, and I want you to, to read the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, all the way through to verse 8 of chapter 2. Don't read anywhere else. Just read it, meditate it, read on it, meditate on it, and let me teach you what every syllable and every phrase of that passage of Scripture means. As, as you probably know, the first 15 verses of it tells us what is our incredible inheritance in Him. And it's an amazing inheritance. It's absolutely amazing. And of course, I mean, I've taught this, and I taught this in 20 sessions uh, one week, the riches of, of that, just that, that passage of scripture. It totally changed my life and I taught it to, to the people. So now our group was getting it. It wasn't just me, our group was getting it. Can you hear what I'm saying? And then as you go on into chapter 2, it then tells us who we are in the risen Christ. It, the, it changes it about verse 17 when it says, I want the eyes of your heart to be open. I want you to get a revelation 
And, and what it says is, I want you to understand what your purpose on earth is. He said, your purpose on earth is that you're to be the means of bringing Jesus into his inheritance. That God isn't just going to wave a hand and suddenly the earth belongs to Jesus. He's going to do it through his church. Through people like you and me. Every, every square inch of the earth was paid for by his blood and it legally belongs to him it doesn't belong to the devil he said I want you to become a a, a people who enforce the victory of Calvary by kicking the devil out and bringing the Lordship of Christ in to replace it so now this is warfare, amen it's not just having lovely cuddly times with Jesus now He, he was getting us ready to become warriors getting me ready to become a warrior, so I could impart it to this group. Amen? And, 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 I, and, and you, you go through it. And then you come to chapter 2, and then, then it tells, tells us who I have become in him. He's raised us together with Christ, seated us together with Christ. So, and what it literally says in the Greek is that, 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 that what happens is that when I totally and utterly yield myself to the complete control of God Father, God Spirit, and God the Son, and they take over my humanity, it's impossible to tell now where I end and where they begin. We merge into each other. He's got complete, his spirit can speak to my spirit and can give me a revelation of truth in a, in a way that is absolutely amazing. And this process was going on. So when I came out of all this, my Jesus had grown a thousand million times bigger than he was before I started. And then, then something else changed. Then I became indignant then. Yeah. I thought, who does this devil think he is walking around Bombay as if he owns it when he belongs to Jesus? God said, now you're getting it, now you're getting it. <laughs> now you're getting it. So, so that was the next phase. Now, are you indignant yet? As you walk around California, all you can see and all you can hear on the radio and all you can see, unfortunately here through, through government sources and, and all these things, you can see is, is an exaltation of secular humanism and, and Christless godlessness. Amen? And does it make you mad? Well, then he said, right, Alan, now that you're mad about it, um, and it was a, it was a, it was a God-given anger and it wasn't against people I mean I, I love Muslims I really do I love them enough to want them to be saved see I, 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 I but I hate the spirit of Islam which is put, holding them in bondage amen see I, I love people with cancer I love them so much I want them to be healed but I hate the spirit that's killing them can you see the distinction here and I'll deal with great aggression towards the spirit of cancer, but the person who's suffering cancer, I'll, I'll love them, I'll, I'll lay my life down for them. I'll, I, I feel all God's compassionate love for them. And we've got to learn to walk in this, um, this the balance of these things. And, and then, 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 um, then Jesus came to me then, when I got back off this fast, and, and the revelation had come to me, and I was walking around Bombay, mad at the devil and and, and, I, and Jesus was so big How, why is he not being honoured why is he not being glorified he said, he said would you like to work with me to bring Jesus into his inheritance in this Catholic area of the city of Mumbai and I said well Lord I'm not much and he said I know that better than you do he wasn't, he wasn't at all complimentary 
<laughs> he said, he said I'm not, I don't want your ability, I want your availability. And if you will give yourself as completely to me as Jesus gave himself to the Father and to the Spirit, then I can do through you in the same way what I was doing through Jesus as he walked the earth, except now it will be in the power of his resurrection life. It won't be just in the authority that he then had on earth. See, what Jesus also obtained in his resurrection was authority. His first words after he rose to them was, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven, on earth, and concerning things under the earth, which is another story which I'm not going to get into at the moment. But we've got to begin to understand these things. But he has all power and authority. Amen? And he's not trying to get the victory over the devil. The devil was defeated at Calvary. My job is to enforce the victory that's already been obtained. And so I said, yes, Lord. And that, that now began a process where I went, I moved from the Baptist church and left it in the hands of another very good man. It's still there. God's still using it. I still have a, a father. In fact, they're celebrating 100 years of that church in a few weeks' time. And they ask him, well, a few months' time, they asked me to come and be part of the celebrations because the, the, that, that church turned around when, when uh, the Spirit of God came in the days that I was there as the pastor, which was 1965-66. That was the period. And now it's still going on. It's got a network of its own churches. God's using it in a wonderful way. But, uh, but he, he said, now you leave that. And I had a very comfortable uh, living quarters. It was a very nice area to live. It was a great place for the children to go and play. There was wonderful shops. But, but to go into the hell hole of this Catholic area where all the drugs, all the, all the witchcraft, all the wickedness, all the illicit liquor stills, sin and wickedness, murders and suicides every day, women being beaten up by their drunken husbands, and, and oh, it was it, the screams, the, the, the people walking around madly talking in the tongues of demons. I mean, the scream and screaming. I tell you, it was, it was the nearest thing to hell on earth. And I had to go and live in the middle of that. I didn't willingly did it with me. Our children agreed to go to boarding school and no longer remain at home. And they sacrificed home life for a period of about seven years in order for revival to happen. And they did it voluntarily. They did it because, because they, they were spiritual enough to see that someone's got to pay a price somehow to get this thing changed. So my kids paid a tremendous price. We all did. Amen? And I went in there and that's when things began. And he started with a small group of people and uh, we began to pray. And prayer was the driving force of the whole thing. And, and uh, we had just a little bit of accommodation which I got in a, a most amazing way. I haven't time to tell the whole story. But that, that's what I felt I wanted to share with you. Now, when that happened, see, there's a demonic power. There's, a demonic, there's lots and lots of demons that harass people. But there are also demonic rulers that rule regions of, of the devil's kingdom on behalf of Satan. Amen? And in the Bible, one of the great examples of that would be Diana, who, who had the temple of Diana in, in Ephesus and basically exercised control over all the demonic forces of the whole of the Roman Empire and other empires before that for hundreds of years. Eventually, Paul had to come into confrontation with that. Amen? Before the kingdom could be advanced. And, and we had to come into confrontation with this spirit before the king. I mean, in that village, they had 
parades. It was all Catholic, you know, parades of uh, of worship and and demons. Oh, I can't begin to tell you the stories. Drunkenness. It was it was it was dark, dark demonic. And the point came where we got a group of about what I suppose between 20 and 30 of these people each one was a miracle coming out of the most unbelievable demonic darkness and, and now they were born again they were part of our little church but then, then the devil came against us the Catholic church labelled us as a, as, a, as a dangerous sect forbade us having the use of any property we couldn't meet anywhere in any of their schools or buildings anyone who went to one of our meetings was immediately threatened with excommunication and uh, they also went to the authorities and tried to bribe the, the authorities to get us thrown out of the country. Every, it came against us. If I told the whole story, it would take for ages, but everything was against us. Our numbers, which were around about 40, went down to eight. And even those eight couldn't, didn't come to the prayer meetings anymore. And when we began to you know, cry the scriptures of the, Jesus is Lord, he's the king, he's the... I mean, all our circumstances mocked this and said, this is ridiculous. And it was down finally to the only two people left in the prayer meeting was, were Eileen and I. Everybody else had backslidden. And my precious wife, she's an amazing warrior and she's a, you know, a partner. I mean, but the Bible says, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, amen? So the, what's, the, what's the minimum quorum to take a city? The Bible says two. Two of you agree and we agree. And then we, we were going to stick it out. We were going to fight out. Our kids uh, were with us in spirit, supporting us. And, and we couldn't even bring them home at holidays. We had to go to them because it was so dark and demonic. It just, it just wasn't safe for them at all. And they, they put up with that for years. You know, bless their precious hearts. And now God is blessing them and they're reaping the reward of those years of obedience. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't just a push button. You know, lay hands on me and it's all done. It isn't like that. And this came to the conclusion when one, one, one uh, um, two things happened. Um, I, I was, Eileen had gone to visit the children and she had gone with a, a New Zealand co-worker that uh, his children were all in the same Christian boarding school over a thousand miles away. And I was in this little apartment in the middle of this hellhole all by myself. And I was lying in bed and I, and I woke up in the night and I felt hands around my throat. Now, that's not surprising because thieves were breaking in all the time. I mean, we had iron bars in every window to, to keep the thieves out. And all the doors were triple bolted. I mean, it, it was... It, and and what they, if we weren't careful, what they would do is they'd get a fishing rod and fling a fishing hook in through between the bars, get a hook on your bed, bed spread and pull it out through the window and it would just disappear. Electric light bulbs were stolen, so you couldn't keep any electric light bulbs. It was, it was, it was, it was absolutely hell on earth. And I was lying on my bed by myself, and then I felt this hand round my throat. And as I woke up, I thought, what? Well, then I realized that it wasn't, it was a physical manifestation. It wasn't a dream, and it wasn't, a, a, it wasn't a vision. And these hands were physically got round my throat. But when I, I saw it was, a, it had a greenish sort of face with yellow eyes, and I realized it was a demon. And this was the demonic principality over the region, and it told me so. This is my territory, I own this territory, and I'm going to fight you, and you're never ever going to get possession of it. This is my, this is my ground, this is, my, this is my, my property. I said, no, it doesn't, it belongs to Jesus. 
he said, I'm going to choke the life out of you. And, I, and, and what surprised me was what happened inside me, because you don't have time to find your favorite verse in that kind of situation. <laughs> but, but, but what surprised me was it was inside me, which of course was the result of my life of communion and fellowship and prayer, which we've talked about earlier today, that there was, there was the Lion of Judah, Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was inside me. And in that spirit, the Spirit of God roared in me like a lion. And he spoke through me. And, and, and I heard myself say, I said, destroy me, you demon from the pit of hell. You can't destroy me. I'm the servant of the living God, the victorious Jesus Christ. And he sent me here to destroy you. And I'm going to destroy you in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and I wasn't filled with fear. I, I, I was filled with, with, with a, a, a sort of controlled anger, if I can put it that way. And I went for this spirit physically. I grabbed it by the throat. And, I began to, I, 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 and then it began to, once I did that, it began to whimper. And it lost its power. And it said, oh, let me go, let me go. I said, no, I won't let you go. I said, I don't know if I can chuck a demon to death, but I'm going to have a darn good try. <laughs> and I got of it and I began to choke the life out of it. I said, I'm going to choke the life out of you, foul demon from the pit of hell. And, and we were wrestling around, we fell off the bed, we were on the floor, and then there was the, in between our rooms, because of the very high temperature without any air conditioning, we just had curtains, and so the curtains came down on top of us, and I was wrestling around this demon, and, and then, it, then it, it broke away, and as it did, I went after it in a flight, with one of my best flying rugby tackles. I tackled it, brought it to the ground, we wrestled again, more furniture went flying, and then it, it struggled again, and suddenly it just disappeared. Every, every, every window had bars, was barred, every door was locked. There's no way anything human or physical would get out, it just disappeared. So I went back to bed, and to my surprise, I fell fast asleep and slept peacefully till the morning. And I woke up in the morning and I thought, boy, well, that was a bizarre dream. <laughs> and then I looked around the room and there was all that smashed furniture and the wreckage, I realized it was no dream. Now, my New Zealand friend that I told, told you was a, was a fellow worker, a, a demon attacked him because he was at home in his home while his wife had also gone together with my wife to visit the children. Can you hear what I'm saying? He was attacked at the same time. And he responded the same way. A mighty roaring counterattack. <laughs> Within... And, and then one more thing is that when Eileen came back and I told her this a few days later and we were praying, just the two of us, we were praying and, and, and as we were praying and just, just quoting the scriptures quoting all the scriptures of the victory and power and glory of Jesus Christ and coming against this demon in the name of Jesus and, and commanding it to flee then we both fell on the ground this was long before what his name was born you know, the, the, the laughing what's his name? Yes, we fell on the floor rolling around in absolutely derisive laughter the, the, the very idea that the devil thought he could conquer Jesus how absolutely stupid the whole thing was we rolled around on the floor for several hours and, and then we finally got up went to bed the next day that region of, that, that region of, about, you know, of the city several square miles about a million people in it, the atmosphere was totally different we had people knocking on the door, coming in like that. There was a local gambler with all his kids, and he was a he was a he was a rough, tough guy. He came with his whole family and said, "What must we do to get saved?" 
Arnie would go out to, to go buy some groceries. She'd come back four hours later. I'd say, what happened? She said, well, I, I, I got there and they pulled me into this house and there was this demonized uh, man and I cast the demon out. The whole family got saved. And, and then I went here and there was someone sick and I prayed for them and they were healed and the whole family got saved. She said, I just couldn't get home. And I remember saying to her, I said, you know, if this goes on much longer like this, we're going to die. But I said, what a wonderful way to die. <laughs> we're going to die of exhaustion. And, 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 and from that day, everything changed. The whole atmosphere changed. Then we were given the opportunity to hold meetings in a, in a, a, a Catholic school. And we began to hold what was called the famous Thursday night meetings. They started with uh, a few people, so a, few, a few nuns that uh, had read Crossing the Switch for Lady David Wilkerson's book. We were wanting to, wanting to see that. And before long, I'm not, we, we were, I was preaching on every Thursday night to several thousand of these, and they would then would take what I'd taught, go out and teach it in 60 other different places in the city of Mumbai. Over the next four years, we saw, I'm not exaggerating at all, we saw over 100,000 of these people saved. We established almost 300 churches. And it's still going on to this day. I just was there just recently celebrating the 30th anniversary. And they estimate now that between somewhere between six and 800,000 people are now in these hundreds of churches, thousands of churches in the city of Mumbai, and it's gone everywhere else. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you that, just to tell you what can happen when we fulfill these conditions. But we had to deal with the devil. Amen? And that devil was a principality. I went to another area of India, which is called, which is called, uh, is part of, of Andhra Pradesh. We've seen, with Mohan Babu, some of you know him, we've seen hundreds of thousands, well over a million Hindus Turned to Jesus Christ in hundreds of churches. It all started in one little place when this Mohan's uh, father, who was a, a, a drunken police inspector, a Hindu, who was, um, um, uh, but, but, but what, I, he got a name John. So I said, how did you get the name John Barber? He says, he said, well, my, my, my mother was, was barren. She went to a Pentecostal pastor to pray for her. And when he prayed for her, she became pregnant. So she went and asked the Pentecostal pastor, what name shall I give him? And, she, and, and this man said, call him John. So, so this guy was chosen from the womb. But he grew up as a Hindu. He, he, was, he was utterly corrupt, making a lot of money by bribery and corruption. And then, and then he, he, got, he began to become a drunkard, got the worst for drink. He, he was drinking stuff that was, um, you know, the liquor. Uh, he's got a terribly scolarized liver. He, he was told he'd got four months to live, he was going to die. He went into a Hindu temple in Nizamabad in, in, and, and there cried out to the Hindu gods because he got eight children and he was going to got four months to live. He, and of course, there's no social security there. He was crying out desperately for his wife and for his kids and what was going to happen to him. And in that temple, Jesus appeared to him and said, you're within an inch of hell and I'm the only one that can save you. But if you turn to me with all your heart, I will save you and I will, I'll make you into a man of God. And so he had that encounter. He came, came out of that temple um, Dalmi couldn't speak for three days and came back and Mohan is his son you met Mohan Babu he's his eldest son and, and he said dad, dad came home from that temple and for four days two days, he said but you see we used to be terrified because he would come home drunk beat us all up so he would hide but we came home dad was absolutely um, uh, 
son, he couldn't, he couldn't, he prayed, just went and prayed for three days. Then, then he, his tongue was loosed. He called all the family together and told them what it meant. He said, I've become a Christian. I've given my life to Jesus. Told what happened in the temple. The whole family knelt down and gave their lives to Jesus. And that's now become a powerful movement of you know, over a million Hindus. Miracles, people being raised from the dead, everything's flowed out of that. Now, just short, just a little while ago, uh, in Armour, where it all started, they celebrated the 35th anniversary of that movement. And I went there for the celebration. And, and, we, and they gave, to give you some idea, they gave um, lunch to 28,000 people. And somehow they managed it. I, I mean, there were, there, there, were, there were tens of thousands of people came for that celebration. And I went into the pastor's house to have a little you know, bit of private lunch with the, key, with the key pastors. And while I was having this lunch, the doors were smashed down, and they were strong, very strong doors, smashed down, and a little woman, no more than five feet tall, came in with blazing eyes, great talons on, of, of nails, and she came at me, and she, she, she went for me, and as she went for me, she fell flat on the face on the ground before me and couldn't touch me. And, and, and surprisingly, although this is a place where they speak Telugu, she spoke in Hindi, which, is, which she can't speak naturally, apparently, I discovered afterwards. So this demon said, said, I've ruled this region for years and you've taken away my kingdom. I hate you. He said, I've been all over America trying to get you. The spirit had. And every time I come near you, I can't touch you. There's such a shield around you, I can't get at you. He said, I, I hate you because you've taken away my kingdom. You've destroyed me. And, I'm, and, and, and Satan is so angry with me for losing, my, losing everything that, that I had you know, for him. You understand what I'm saying? And, and then I commanded the demon to come out and it came out of this woman and she was gloriously saved. Couldn't touch me. Amen? Now, it doesn't make me fantastic. Please understand that. But, 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 but you know how it says in Acts chapter 19 uh, the demons, were, uh, sons of Sceva, were trying to copy Paul in casting out demons. And the demons responded, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? Remember that? And, 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 I, and I and my wife Eileen because the demons have told us don't misunderstand this it doesn't make us fantastic but we have a reputation now they don't like us and they're afraid of us because we've, we've paid the price to become the warriors that he wants us to be does that make sense to you? and this is what we this is what we have to do amen one more thing and then I'm going to just pray um I am naturally a shy person. I've told you that before. And when, when we both got saved, Annie would go and tell everybody because she's an expert. And I would say, this is embarrassing. But after a few months of this, you see, Jesus said, he said, if you follow me, I will make you to become a fisher of men. Amen? If you follow me. If you imitate me, said Jesus many times, imitate me. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Amen? And so one day, as I read in Acts chapter 4, how when there was opposition against them in the name of Jesus, this is while this was going on, they were, they were trying to get us thrown out of the country, they were trying to get us, you know, uh, take away all um, use of any building whatsoever in the city of Bombay, and just trying to shut the whole thing down. And in that battle, these words came to me, and I cried out to God, and I said, I said, oh God, give me boldness to speak your word. And may 
signs and wonders to be done in the, in the mighty name of Jesus. And God has changed me so that I'm bold. I, you know, I'm still me. I'm, I'm not a sort of extrovert. But, but, but I'll talk to anybody anywhere and get round to I talk to them about Jesus. I, I, all my fear is gone of people. My, my, my shyness is gone. And I have boldness to speak his word. And what's more, I'm ready at any time to move in the power of signs and wonders and miracles. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And I believe that's an impartation that I want to give tonight. Amen? But you're going to have to pay the price. Amen? Well, I thank God that I went through that process and he got me to the place where I was useful to him. And now I'm able to impart it to others. Amen? Boldness to speak his word. And the signs as well not be done in the name of Jesus. This... By the way, this lady that I told you about, the one that was miraculously healed and I couldn't believe it, I met her a few months ago. She's now in her 70s, totally fit, never had any more problems with it. Completely gloriously healed. Absolutely on fire for Jesus. So, so I, I've been through a, a process to get me where I am. And I believe God wants to do it now. At first, it isn't the numbers. They come later. Most of the, all these preparatory times, all these battles, the dealing with the demonic powers and all that kind of stuff, was probably a group of not more than 30 of us. But we paid the price to be that, you know, warrior community. You know, we, there was nothing in us. The, the devil said, I went all over America, I get you, but I couldn't touch you. There was nothing in me the devil could get hold of. Because I'm not, you know, I mean, if I'd been fooling around with pornography, if I'd been messing around, I mean, he could have got me. You know, hear what I'm saying? But I'm not. Years and years ago, um, I, I confessed to God that in my secular years as, a, as, a, as, a, as an atheist, I'd watched you know, movies and read books that were had given me an unclean mind. And the spirit had, was in me of, you know, of uh, um, lust. I never was unfaithful to my wife. I never did anything outwardly, but I had battles in my mind. And when, I, when he delivered me from the spirit of fear, he also delivered me from that spirit of lust. And, I've got a, I, and he gave me, because it says in my Bible, it says in your Bible, that we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Let his mind be in yours. And, and Jesus didn't ever battle with dirty thoughts. I'm sure you would agree with that. And this was way back, years and years ago, I think it's probably... 1965, something like that. I got this mind, which we, and I'm free from lust. But I'm very, very careful. I don't go to movies. I don't watch television. Hardly at all. I can't stand television. I will not watch the advertisements on television. And there's very, very, very few movies that I feel comfortable to go and watch because they pollute this beautiful mind that God's given me. And I live, I live a disciplined life. You know, and some people think I'm a bit too strict, a bit too proved, but I don't care. At least, at, least, at least when the demons come, I've got authority over them. And they've got nothing in me. We went all over America, we couldn't get you. Hallelujah. Now that's the community. And, 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 and that community is the driving force that, that drives everything else. Now we had hundreds of people, thousands of people involved in these great meetings. And they did all kinds of wonderful jobs. But the driving force, the powerhouse, was this community. In the, in the case of the Bible, it was the upper room community. It was 120 people there. The 12 plus the 
so I call the 72, plus the, the family of the natural um, half-brothers of Jesus and that whole family, they all turned to the Lord. The, the, the centurion who was the crucified, that was the in charge of execution of Jesus, he got converted. So these odd few people came in and made up the 120. And that was the powerhouse. Amen? If we fulfill the conditions here, we're going to see the same results. It took years. It didn't take, it wasn't five minutes. It was nine years. Now we're seeing this great breakthrough in San Antonio. My wife, Eileen, and Natalie, her co-worker, and other wonderful people, some of the great leaders of that city. I'm, I bless them and help them as much as I can, but I'm not the driving force there. Eileen is. But it's now nine years since, since, since she began to give her life to see San Antonio uh, have a visitation of God, to see a revival. And now it's beginning to happen. It's happening through the younger people, through the Hispanic people particularly. And, and it's not just a, some good meetings. You can feel there's a throbbing power in the thing. Amen? And I, and I, I believe that it's in John's heart and the hearts of some of you precious people. I'm telling you, you're not going to fail. You're going to succeed. But you're going to, you're going to have to fulfill these conditions. Now, I don't know, frankly, how to pray for you tonight. Um, if it, I mean, obviously, if there's any people who are sick, and well, I'll pray for them. I'll pray over cross for you to take away. And, and I'm very happy and, and delighted to get your needs met. But I want something more than that. I, w- I want that upper room community to form, if I can put it that way. I want that, that uh, powerhouse that fulfills the conditions, that's, that's learned how to fight and win spiritual battles, is free from the demonic control itself, and now is being exercised authority over the demonic powers that will always reach. And, and if you're willing, I believe that God wants to train you to become as effective in San Diego, as we were in the city of Mumbai, and then later on in Hyderabad, and then went across to, to Kenya, um, in, in, through Mark Kariuki, and, and, and even in Great Britain, we've seen amazing things. Now, that's what I felt to share my heart on, and uh, I think I've said enough. Well, Alan, I uh, think that a prayer we, we could uh, pray, we could all agree with, is... Um, Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. He said, I'm praying that God will give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. So if Paul prayed for the Ephesians church, I think we would like you to pray that for us. Yes. Because it was that revelation that started the whole thing, correct? Yes. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Yes, that's verse 17 of Ephesians 1, okay? Do you want to turn to it and someone read it, please? Because I have a problem. Someone who can okay. read it okay. in a clear, loud voice. Ephesians. Well, I, well, I might want to pick somebody else then. Okay. I'm, I'm so shy. And Wait, have you got a, you need a mic? Can you, all have, he, can you all hear him okay? I have a, I have, I have a mic. Yeah. Oh, you've got a mic. I'm sorry. Okay. Is that in the New Testament? All right, here we go. <laughs> Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith, verse 15, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance yes, in the saints? His inheritance in the saints. Amen. You've got an inheritance in him. He's got an inheritance in you. Amen. And I want to bring him into his inheritance in me. Amen. Amen. Excuse me interrupting. <laughs> you can interrupt as often as you want. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Yes. What is the exceeding greatness of, of his power? Now, can I inter- intervene there? There's a little... Yeah, prep- how about I read a portion and you preach? There's a little preposition. Here. <laughs> little preposition is ice, which, which literally says, into, through, and out from. In other words, I'm a pipe. Amen. So I don't, I don't want it just to come to me and stick with me. But, 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 but the power that God wants to release, he's got to find a channel that it can flow through. And so he's saying, I want to become John's channel. In, into, read it again. It says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us. Into and through us. Would be another bad translation, yes. Who believe. Yeah. Well, they might want to preach on that. Yeah. According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Amen. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come and put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, fullness. the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Read on in chapter 2. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together, And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Mm. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Mm. Not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yes, amen. Amen. 